If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 372 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the TJ Reid of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham MacDonald, as we uh, look ahead to a massive weekend in the world of Mixed Martial Arts next week, which we will do from the top of the show. Um, and then we will look back on the fights from last night as well. Uh, next week there's uh, Big UFC London, Cage Warriors London, also Bellator, so we will have a look at all of them as well. But before we get into all of that, we must tell you that this episode is presented by our great friends over at All Real Nutrition. If you haven't heard of All Real Nutrition, they are a really great Irish company with the best protein products on the market. So they do protein bars, they do peanut butter and all uh, all the stuff like that. Check them out over at eatallreal.com. They're a Kerry company, really good Irish, Niall... Uh, who runs the company, is a massive Severe MMA fan, so he's one of us. Help this guy out, help his company out, support Irish, support uh, eatallreal.com. You can get 15% off with the code SEVEREMMA over at eatallreal.com. So they do real food ingredients with high-quality protein and a great taste. I have one here on my desk. We've uh, They've been a sponsor of our live stream for the last year, and myself and Ian and all the lads absolutely love them as well. They're a plastic-free and home-compostable wrappers. It's very good for the environment. They've saved over 4 million bottles from entering the ocean. And also, as well, they taste great. They've over 900 five-star reviews, and they deliver anywhere in Europe. So use that promo code SEVEREMAY. Get yourself 15% off at eatallreal.com. They have them in Tesco now and other places as well. They're great. But why would you do that when you can get them... To deliver to your own home and you can get 50% off them as well. So use that promo code SEVEREMAY and go to eatallreal.com. Support Irish, support All Real Nutrition and support your fellow Severe MMA podcast buddy Niall over there. He does an absolutely great job and he's been a great supporter of us in our live streams uh, for the last year or so and we're delighted to have him on as a sponsor here for, for the next few weeks as well. Um, great company and I, I support him, you should support him, we should all support him. Right, Graham. Let's get straight into the fights uh, from next week, and I, I want to talk about the UFC first because it is—it's it, a big night for UK MMA again. It, it only feels like a few weeks ago that we had the other, you know, UFC London, and now we're back, and Paddy Pimblett's back, and Tom Aspinall's back, and Molly McCann is back, and Paul Craig is back, and 
I, I, you know, people were talking about it at the time as like the, the UFC Dublin um, was for Ireland. This is for the UK. And I'm not necessarily sure it is that or it will become that they will need to produce like a big star um, <laughs> to, for, for it, I suppose, to be looked back on like that. But do you know what this is? This is like a card where you, you look at an old card from years ago, you know, you often pull up like the, you know, the cage contenders or the old battle zones or something, and you might see like six or seven Bellator fighters on it, and you look at, you know, six or seven guys who went to the top of cage warriors or went to the UFC, and this feels like a card where there's lots of actually the the local talent that we saw coming up. I remember talking about Paul Craig going to fight Carl Moore on this podcast. We talked about Molly McCann. We talked about, you know, interviewed Paddy Pimblett, uh, there's Callie Stephen, the lads from from when he was a boy, and you know the same could be said. I, I remember looking up Nathaniel Wood fights when he was preparing yeah, for Mark Jacasey. We've been yeah. covering him since before he fought in the UFC and made video about him. And yeah, it it definitely feels like you know we've been on a bit of a journey with a few of these guys. And it's it's great to see because sometimes you're looking at fighters on, on the way up, and we we'll talk about cage wars as well later on you're like will they make it will they get to the UFC and this kind of card actually i think gives you uh a, an indication that they will and it, it must be great for the guys coming up and the ladies as well to see you know people like this it must, must be great for the likes of Shauna Bannon to look at Molly McCann and see where she's gone. Looks must be great for you know uh, Paula Han or Paul Hughes or whoever it might be to see these sort of people who are fighting on the same level, the same cards, and now they're at this point of their career. Now that that is great, and there's obviously the UK MMA scene has way more gyms and you know, a bigger population. Now there's got to be more than the Irish scene as well. But the Irish scene was very very different and more compact. Like I'm from Limerick, and there's people from Cork, and you're from Dublin, and the lads from the North and over in Galway. Now we kind of all came together in the one where it's a bit little bit different in the UK uh, in the UK, and I think a lot of that is based on you know football and uh, you know the Premier League and all like it's very hard for a mank to support Paddy Pimblett I'm sure I, I'm sure although I'm sure a few of them do but like the London people support the London people the, the uh, Liverpool people support the Liverpool people and now it's not just that I'm not saying if you're from London you won't support Paddy Pimblett or anything like that but it is a little bit more divided than it is in Ireland but we see you know with Paddy and with Molly especially that Liverpool fan base that they have is absolutely massive and I think if they keep putting on cards like this where there are all different people from different parts of the country and they have it in London and everyone travels, I think that'll actually be built more. And that's the thing that the consistent fights all the time with the consistently same people that can become stars to, to the people going to see in London, I think that's really good. I might actually help that kind of disjointed scene. Is that something I know you've travelled over to cards in, in the UK before, Graham, and obviously watched a lot of them. And, and I always remember the, well, it's your man, the, the, the lad in KSW, you know, who's from uh, from Leeds, and all these fans are going, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a bit different in the UK than it is here or anywhere else in the world, maybe, isn't it? Yeah, I think part of it is probably the size of the UK and the fact that it's kind of divided into like Scotland and Wales and England. And also the fact that kind of, you know, uh, Ireland is a smaller, a smaller country. Maybe it says something that, you know, the closest port to, to Dublin is Liverpool. And you're kind of saying it's the same atmosphere over there. And many people would have went over on, on boats many, many years ago there. So maybe that's part of the kind of the part of the kind of culture that's rubbed off uh, on the Liverpoolians. But uh yeah, Paddy and Molly definitely have the support. You see, even you know the 
the support they've got from the the scousers has kind of bled over and you see them on the what's that thing called with gary neville just, yeah the overlap slipping, yeah the overlap sorry yeah it was just slipping my mind there yeah you know that's been like you know people like steven jared thierry Henry, people like that you know top footballers and kind of you know to see paddy pimblett on there the shows really you know a few years ago that would have been a pipe dream and when we started covering this game you know uh for such a big platform to be kind of taking it seriously and for for like you know sky sports who've kind of been very reluctant over the years to to uh kind of dip their toes into mma so especially the ufc so yeah it's definitely you know uh it seems like everything's rising up uh for the the UK scene, and you know, you mentioned a few people on the car, like even even like uh, Nicholas Dalby, who's fought on the UK scene for a while. People have been following him, you know, even though he's even though he's a European fighter, he kind of seems like you know he's very familiar to the to the crowd. And obviously, Joy Herbert and Wood and Jacasey and all are, are hometown guys. So throughout the whole card, I can see this being you know a great atmosphere early, and that that can only help the card. Hundred percent. Let, let's talk about Paddy Pimler first of all, because I know he's the comment. Uh, he's not even the comment of Indy. He's the third fight up now. Uh, it shows here now. Maybe that will change uh, by by this time next week. But what's your take on Paddy Pimler, Graham? I I I feel like uh, I feel like I've given my take so many times over the years about Paddy Pimler and and well, so uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> Where did we both? Uh, yeah, well, like you know, he's 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 uh, obviously a really exciting. Uh, fighter in terms of you know his fights always seem to be action-packed and uh even if he's, he's on the feed he's kind of going for it even if it's maybe not the the it's been proven in the past is really not the the best avenue for him to go to but he's he's taken a few hard shots and he's kept going and uh you know that style is gonna if he, if he doesn't tighten that up i think that style is gonna catch up with him pretty quick as he goes up the levels but you know when he comes in here against uh jordan levitt i think is Jordan Levitt isn't really bringing, you know, a string of KOs or big knockout power that we've seen. So, like, if if Paddy Pimble plays it safe here, he should he should have his, you know, uh, advantage on the ground. I'd say so. Should have his way here. But uh, overall, for Paddy Pimble, you know, I think the matchmaking has been very good uh, by the UFC. Um, obviously, they see the the interest around him and the the kind of hype uh, that he's built over the years, and the Cage Warriors have helped him build. And uh, obviously the support from the, the scouters, as we mentioned, is obviously kind of, they're planning this one out when we've kind of accused the UC matchmakers or the UC brass of not really kind of having a plan for these guys that are coming in. It seems they do with Paddy and they seem to be putting on him, him on a kind of road of fights that, uh, that they, they think he can win and they think he can look good and kind of improve. And you hear things from Paddy about, you know, in the past, he's had problems with weight cuts and weight gain, and you hear him again talking about how big he gets, and he, that would be a little bit of a worry. You know, we kind of heard him say before, I don't know how many years ago, that he was kind of putting that behind him and he was taking it more seriously and he was getting the professionals involved in his in his nutrition and his weight cut, but he seems to just, you know, binge and not stop until <laughs> until he needs to get back into shape for, for a fight. So that's definitely going to hinder you as well like you know you want to be in the gym you want to be sharpening your skills and improving you don't want to be worried about cutting weight the whole time so yeah uh, as he goes up the levels he's gonna have to you know take things a little bit more seriously i think i think the biggest issue with that like let's say john jones did that right he took a month off between fights and he ballooned up 
you know, let's say if he was still fine at, at 205, he'd be Anthony up. Johnson used to do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, no? but like, yeah, but let's say with John Jones, right? At least John Jones, he has all the skills in the world, right? That if he can get down, get fit again, and get his timing down, we know he has it all. Paddy Pimbert's not that yet. Even though he's 21 fights into his career, you think he should be that. He's not. Like he's, He still has a lot to learn and a lot to do and lots of improvements to make if he wants to climb through the UFC ranks. And like having a couple of weeks, you know, eating a lot of donuts and stuff, it's it's not, you know, people maybe overblow it a little bit. It's not going to be the biggest thing in the world. But when you've, I, I actually saw, it was on the, the overlap with Gary Neville where he talked about he wasn't supposed, he wasn't expecting to fight until September or October. And now it's, what, two to three months before that he's fighting again. That's that's a big difference. Like, in, ter- in terms of getting the weight down, no, I think it's grand. But in terms of learning new skill sets and improving yourself, you're, the two weeks you spent eating is going to lead to probably another few weeks getting it off. And then it's going to be all preparation for the fight itself rather than, you know, spending that three or four weeks maybe learning some new thing maybe going out to America and you know training the gym and I know he was out in America for a while but um, I think that can be a big difference to people uh, like Paddy Pimlet who need to make improvements and that would be the one worry I have for him there but maybe the fact that uh, it was short notice made him get back to, to life kind of quicker than uh, not short notice but but a quicker turnaround than maybe he wanted made him get back to life quicker and maybe, maybe that binge wasn't as big as uh, as uh, you think it would be but the fight against Jordan Levitt is a very interesting one. Levitt is is not the greatest striker in the world, but he can strike. Very good wrestler, very strong. I don't think he's the best fight IQ in the world, but if he gets into a position where he can pick Paddy up and, and slam him, Paddy will be in trouble there. But the problem is Paddy loves that position because he loves, you know, triangles and going for flying triangles and stuff like that. If Paddy pulls a flying triangle against Jordan Levitt, he could very well get knocked out. He very well could. I don't think that's the smartest thing in the world. It's like they're both in their best positions. So I'd be interested to see. Like the thing the thing with this one is I think if Paddy can stop Levitt wrestling him, I think he'll win. You know, I, I think um, if Paddy can get on top, if he can get into the advantageous jiu-jitsu positions on the ground, he'll end up submitting him. On the feet, I think Levitt is more careful and he's fought better strikers than Paddy and won. Um, but Paddy does hit hard, even though he's not a great striker. He's been training in a boxing gym. I'm sure he's improving. He He's looked better over his last two fights, but still anyone looking at him will, will know he's not the best striker in the world. So... There are, without a shadow of a doubt, there are ways for Jordan Levitt to win this fight. But I would, I would favor Paddy, and I think again, it's it's probably good matchmaking. You have a guy who's ten and one here, but probably stacks up pretty well against Paddy in numerous different areas. And as you said, the UFC are matching him very, very well. We see like some other guys. I talked to Jai Herbert the other day. He's on this card as well. It's a bit of a better matchup this time. But the matchmaking Jai Herbert got, and the matchmaking Paddy Pimblett got are absolutely night and day. So um. You know, it's massive. Do you, do, you, do you think it's like 90% personality or do you think it's yeah. more, do you think there's a good part of it that is that he's kind of open on the feet or he's willing to exchange and he's exciting and his fight's going to, anything could happen or do you think that's kind of just secondary? Uh, look, I think on Joy Herbert's part, right, it is just he was unlucky. He was a cage warriors champion coming through and they knew he was very good. Paddy Pimbless the same, right? And even more, uh, uh, yeah, more uh, has more fights and more experience and all that but the fact that Paddy Pimlet has this following and he has this personality and all they, and you know Sean Shelby and them guys aren't fools they know and they look at Paddy Pimlet and they know he's not the finished article 
maybe never will be in my opinion I don't think he ever will be good enough to be a UFC champion but they realise if we can get Paddy Pimblett through the next maybe two years or so put him into a big fight in whether he wins it or loses it there's probably going to be a lot of money on the table for the UFC and he's probably going to be a big star for them and even now you know if he wins let's say he wins three fights in a row they move him on a bit even if he loses then he gets a pushback wins another two people will still you know, we'll still be following Paddy. They'll, they'll still be fans of him. Losses don't mean as much in mixed martial arts as they once were. So they are pushing him and they are giving him easier matchups because he's going to come out and he's going to talk shit. He's going to, you know, sell cards. He puts bums on seats. He absolutely does. There's no shadow of a doubt about that. And if they could get Paddy Pimblin like onto a pay-per-view card or into a big fight, I think he would do very, very well for them. Uh, I don't think Paddy Pimblin is has the ability to be a top fighter in the UFC, maybe, maybe a one fifty five a ranked fighter. Even I probably I would not say that either, but maybe close. And if they can get him up there and build a hype with him, that's brilliant for Paddy and it's brilliant for the UFC because there's a lot of money on the table there. But it's very interesting. We've I don't think we've well look we've we've seen this before with Sage Northcutt uh, and they tried to do it with Paige Van Zant as well, and they were not able to do it. They absolutely weren't able to do it. Now Paddy is better than the two of them, but. Will he be able to do it? Will he be? Will they be the? Will he be the one they'll be able to do it with? It's interesting, and we. Uh, that's why I said the very first fight, Paddy Pimblet came into the UFC. The next year, two years, three years with Paddy, and how they match him and how uh, it goes for him are going to be so interesting and so entertaining. It's going to be really, really fun. And I wish the best for Paddy. Like I hope he, I'm wrong, and I hope he goes on and be, becomes a ranked fighter and improves a lot and becomes a champion. Because you know it's probably money in my pocket if we're being honest, and your pocket and everyone. Because Paddy Pimblet being the biggest star in MMA now would be brilliant for all of us because he's hilarious and look, he's not. He says some weird things and some bad things and so. But sure, everyone fucking does in mixed martial but at the end of the day he's a great character he's fun um, even though he's from Liverpool you know and supports Liverpool do you know he always says Scousers don't get knocked out and he's dead right they just get the finals and don't score so he's uh, <laughs> 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 I've been waiting for that one I had that one in the back pocket but yeah it's very uh, it's, it's fun watching the rise of Paddy Pimmon and I can't wait to see it um Let's talk about the main event a little bit. I don't think this is a great fight for Tom Aspinall, honestly, against Curtis Blades. I think it's a really bad matchup for him. And this could be one of those, you know, we've been on him recently, Graham, or I have anyway, in, in Dublin, where the hometown guy loses in the main event. And, you know, we see James lose. We've seen Peter Queeley lose, obviously, for the title as well. And there is a very weird feeling leaving that building. Now, Tom Aspinall could win this fight, absolutely. It's a relatively even fight. I'd probably put it 60-40 to, to Blades, in my opinion. Now, I might be wrong, and I, I don't know the bookies' uh, uh, numbers out yet, but it's a very tough fight and very tough matchmaking. You know, he's not get, he's definitely not getting the Paddy Bimbley treatment, and he hasn't got it over his last few fights as well, which I've kind of complained about. But, look, the fact that he has fought such good guys over the last while, you can fight Volkov, Spivak, and Arlovsky and not get a bit of a push. So, Curtis Blades is just about the, the right level. I probably would have rather seen a tie to Ivasa or a Derek Lewis or someone like that in a bit of an easier matchup. I think this is a very tough one. What, what, what do you think of the main event? Or, or do you think I'm calling it wrong? Well, yeah, I definitely think it's a step up in competition for Tom Aspinall, but you know he's he's looked pretty comfortable, pretty pretty at ease uh, throughout his UFC career, uh, even going back to his to his Cage Warriors days. Uh, he's looked he's looked pretty composed in there, and you know <clears throat> Curtis Blades is definitely um, definitely a step up in competition, as I said, and he definitely offers some. Um, 
some some problems that he hasn't faced before that Tom hasn't faced before. But I think it's a kind of a step up. Uh, well, like you know, when Curtis Blades has stepped up previously in competition, he's kind of he's kind of lost uh, quite badly. I know it was Francis and Ganu and Derek Lewis, and they, they're big hitters and. You know, uh, the first fight with Ngannou was it was a uh, doctor stoppage with the eye, which obviously was uh, unfortunate, but he still got his eye busted open. You know, so uh, you know it's definitely a uh, Tom Aspinall and Chris Dawkins is definitely a different a different prospect uh, than than Tom Aspinall, but uh, Tom Aspinall doesn't seem like the, the kind of guy who is going to feel the pressure uh, of kind of main event big card like raucous crowd maybe he will maybe i'm wrong but he just seems composed and relaxed to me and he seems like he's he's very comfortable for for a guy like you know uh going in there against guys who can at heavyweight that can put you out with, with one shot but he'll have to be careful here obviously the, he doesn't want to get put on his back either but he's he's shown some he, he's shown some good uh jiu-jitsu skills in the past but uh curtis blades will obviously come out with a, with a good game plan here it's, it, it is a it is a tough one to call but i would expect tom aspinall to have enough to get it done and i wouldn't be surprised if he, if he got it done with his hands early he could yeah and curtis, look, curtis blades has been caught before there's no shadow of a doubt about that um i, I just think like aspinall is very good jiu-jitsu and all of that as well but I think he's going to need to use his striking to stop the takedowns here like Derek Lewis did. You know, throw that uppercut when he comes in, make him, make him pay. Uh, once it gets to the ground, I I, I don't think Aspinall's jiu-jitsu is going to save him against Blades' wrestling. Over five rounds as well, if Blades can keep taking him down over the first three, going to be very tough for Aspinall to still have the gas in the in the tank to get that big knockout in the fourth or fifth round. So it's it's a very interesting matchup, and it'll prove... Like, I, I think Aspinall is championship material, honestly, but he's still only 14 fights into his career. Still a very, very young career. And them 14 fights, you know, they, they, I, they haven't necessarily certainly been rushed he's been a, a pro since 2000 and uh 2014 um so he's been around for a while but still it feels like a lot of it has come over the last couple of years you know he had two years out of the cage as well between 2000 and um 2017 and 2019 you know he was doing or 2016 and 2019 almost three years he was doing a bit of boxing in the middle of that as well so um it'll be it's very interesting to see where uh, where this fight is won, where this fight goes. And I think if it does stay on the feet, you'll obviously have to favour Aspinall and maybe you can catch him on the way down. Maybe it's a guillotine. I was talking to Harry the other day. We have a podcast coming out. Say, and I kind of said, nah, and I think Harry was agreeing as well, that the use of the Kimura to sweep is something we don't see in MMA as much anymore because it doesn't really work as a finishing manoeuvre anymore. Um, but I think if Aspinall hits the ground here and blades on top of him, he needs to be doing something like that. Get on a fucking Kimura. It's a big man manoeuvre, you know, at heavyweight. It'll force Blades to move and force him to, you know, you, you sweep him with it, get on the fucking feet and get back up. I think that's the sort of thing Aspinall needs to do immediately here. If he lets Blades stay yeah, on top, uh, you know, you're tying up your you're tying up your arms. And if you're if you're on the bottom trying to uh, pull Kamoras against big guys like Curtis Blade. No, no, I'm not saying. I, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying to pull a Kimura. I'm saying if you do get taken down on the way down, catch that fucking Kimura and sweep him and immediately oh, get yeah, back up. Yeah. Like, I'm not. Jeez, I'm by no means saying pull guard or go for a Camorra or anything like that but I think to like Jose Aldo back in the day right Jose Aldo probably got t taken down 20 times in the UFC but he never got 
kept down you know he'd fall to a he'd fall you know he'd, he'd get um mark, know, mark hominick uh, disagrees <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's true but like he, and his ba- baby and his alien baby <laughs> his, his ba- alien baby head yeah he'd, like he'd get to a post or he'd you know get to his knees or push the head down and get straight back up that's what aspinall needs to do in this fight i fully believe it'll be interesting to see if he can do it but it's, it's a fun fight um, Chris Curtis is now stepping in to fight Jack Romanson. That was supposed to be Darren Till. Uh, that's a fun fight. Honestly, a big matchup again for Chris Curtis, who has had maybe the, the best resurgence of a career of a kind of a, a middling UFC fighter that we've, we've seen in a long, long time. He's won a lot of fights in a row now, going from, you know, fighting in the, in the PFL in 2019, losing three fights in a row to Magomed Karimov twice, and then to, uh, to Ray Cooper to come in to win fights against you know the likes of Phil Hawes, Brendan Allen, Kenny Robertson, the last time out only a couple of weeks ago against uh, Rodolfo Vieira. So this is a a big fight for him. Tormanson, a very tough task. Well, there's been many tough tasks put up against Chris Curtis over the last while, and he's won it. Big fight as well. Nikita Krylov versus Alexander Gustafsson. It feels like Gustafsson kind of retired. He went to heavyweight for a while. He came back. He fought Verdum in 2020, but now he's back again. He was supposed to fight Craig. He was supposed to fight Rotwell, but he is fighting Nikita Krylov, which is... Um it's probably a good fight for him to come back. Krilov is a good fighter, a well-rounded fighter, but not amazing in any one area. Gustafsson at his best, I think, takes Krilov out all the time. At his best, at his best but yeah. like when you've already kind of been retiring and talking about retiring very seriously and thinking about it, that's definitely a factor here. Like, But surely Alexander Gustafsson has enough here. You know, I'm just looking at the odds here. And uh, Gustafsson is an underdog. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a bit mad to me. You know, obviously, you know, not really being as in love with the game and kind of, you know, all the reasons why you retired in the first place is definitely a factor. But, you know, Krylov, he's had some shocking performances mixed in with some decent ones, but I, I don't see him having enough here for uh, Gustafsson. If, 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 if Alexander doesn't win here, he, he, he should... Retire and stay retired. <laughs> all right, na- all right, Naz, calm down. <laughs> you should finish, uh, but I, I, yeah, you're probably right. Fair. Now that you have the odds open there, what's the odds for the main event? Who's who's the favorite to win that one? Um, it's real close, but Aspinall's uh, slight favorite minus one two five, and Ooh. Curtis Blade plus one oh five. So uh, it's basically a pick. Spoiler alert: That's probably one of my best for <laughs> best for the week next week. But yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Molly McCann then against uh, Hannah Goldie. Molly's been on a good run. You know, she was on that thing with Gary Neville as well. Hannah Goldie coming off a win against uh, Emily Whitmire after losing two in a row. Before that, you know, she's uh, a couple of wins. Uh, one especially, she won by armbar last time out, and, and she looked good uh, in winning that. So I'm sure, look, Molly, as she said in that piece with Gary Neville, she wants to keep the fight on the feet. <laughs> she wants to land big shots. And if she can do that against Goldie, I think uh, she will uh, She will win the fight. Paul Craig. Oh, just before you go on, were you, when you were watching Gary Neville plod down the right-hand side as a, as a young boy with supporting Man United, did you ever think he'd be, he'd be coming for your job and taking taking interviews? He uh, can fucking have doing it. Them better than you? <laughs> he can have it. Do you know what? Did you, think, did you watch it? No, I didn't. I just saw a little teaser thing of it. Yeah. And I didn't see the full video. It wasn't that great, honestly. 
I didn't. I think it was his worst one so far, and I love that show. But maybe that's maybe because it's me, and maybe because maybe uh, maybe you know Gary Neville's football knowledge and kind of takes are kind of what make what make him there was interesting. Two, I suppose even the, if you agree or disagree with his takes, yeah. The fact that there was two people on it though as well was a bit weird. You know, he was kind of asking Paddy question, and then Paddy answered for three minutes, and he asked Molly the same question. It was like it was hard to flow. That's a very hard thing to do. So. Yeah, I think if it was just Paddy or just Molly, it probably would have been a bit better. It wasn't bad or anything, though. It's definitely worth watching. But yeah, it was. It was a bit of a. It was a bit of a weird one, you know. But, but still, it was great exposure for both of them. I think. Uh, I think they both came came out of it looking pretty well, anyway. And look, people will be probably tuning in after watching it. So it's, it's a good a good thing. Um, massive fight again for Paul Craig against Vulcan Odsamir here. You know, Vulcan has been around for a long time. He's been hit and miss. If we're if we're being honest, Paul Craig's been on a great run. He he beat the aforementioned Krilov, he beat Jamahal Hill, Shogun Hua, uh, Antigulov, he drew which obviously Shogun before that as well, but he has some great wins, he's beaten Mohamed Ankalaev, where people are talking about it being possibly the next title challenger uh, as well, so I don't think Paul Craig gets the uh, the recognition he deserves, he's coming in against Vodzimir, who just lost Ankalaev and who just lost to Prohachka even this matchmaking is like it's a bit disrespectful to me, and I think Paul Craig, at least he's on the main card of this, uh, you know, look, looking at the card so far, you'd never know by the end of the week he mightn't be, but I really like Paul Craig and I think he deserves a lot more, uh, I think he deserves a lot more than, than he's getting, to be honest. I don't know. Having said that, can Paul yeah, Craig... I was going to say, having said that, who are you picking? <laughs> I'd probably picking Craig. Who, why, who are you picking? Oh, you know, with a Paul Craig fight, it's really hard to know. Probably what's going to happen is he's going to get either knocked TKO'd or knocked out or he's going to get nearly TKO'd or knocked out and he's going to pull out some kind of choke or <laughs> triangle it's or something. It's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. something crazy is going to happen. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't think it's that disrespectful because Uzumir kind of does have a bit of a name. You know, he's been a title contender before and things like that. So if it was, if it was somebody maybe, you know, uh, uh, if it was Ozemir and he hadn't kind of got to a title shot and hadn't kind of got that that name recognition, then maybe. But like if a win by Paul Craig here over Ozemir would be a big win for him, I think. Yeah, it would, but I still think it's a bit disrespectful. Anyway, um, there's some great fights after this, and I really love that Nathaniel Wood versus Charles Rosa fight. I think it's a very good winnable fight as well for Nathaniel Wood. I think that's good matchmaking. Mark Chikasi is fighting Demir Hanzovic. Chikasi obviously had a great win over Slava Boroshev last time out. Um, uh, Who knew he could wrestle? I hope we have to yeah. listen to that. Oh, again for yeah. yeah, that was the. Jeez, I hope DC is not here anyway. Uh, but Hadzovic beat Yancy Medeiros for unanimous decision last time out. That was over a year ago as well. So uh, a good matchup here. You know, Hadzovic has knocked out Paulo Reyes. He's, you know, some. Uh, you know, he's knocked out uh, Martin Held and others as well. So that should be, uh, you know, two. two strikers who can't do anything else fighting in that one according to Daniel Carmi I'm sure so it should be fun Ireland's own McWinner McCann he's fighting Jonathan uh, Pierce, uh, Mohamed Makayev the, the greatest amateur of all time returns as well he's fighting Charles Johnson my guy Jai Herbert who I interviewed uh, a couple of days ago he's fighting Kyle Nelson that's a uh, just a very fun fight Kyle Nelson comes to fight and he pushes you against the cage and tries to bang you out there and we know how good Jai Herbert is so I'm definitely uh, looking forward to I that think, I think this is a very important fight for Jai Herbert Massive. to go out there and win and win impressively like you know uh, the UFC yeah, haven't shown much um, love to him and 
if he goes out there and loses here, you know, he could end up getting cut. So I think this is actually a really big fight for Jay Herbert. Massive. I expect him to go in there and win, but the pressure's really on here. Yeah, a huge fight for him. Look forward to it. Mandy Bowman's fighting uh, Victoria Leonardo. Ireland's on Mandy Bowman as well, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Ireland's on Nicholas Dalby at one stage as well. He used to fight out of SPG. He's fighting Claudia Silva. And a fight just made a couple of hours ago, I think, Ludovic Klein against Mason Jones. Glad to see Mason getting on the card as well. So that is a, a fun fight and a, a really good card. Honestly, lots of local talent. Lots of guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing Joy. Really looking forward to seeing Makayev. Really looking forward to seeing Nathaniel Wood and Jay Casey and Craig and Molly and, you know, Gustafson as well. And obviously Paddy and Nicole, Nicole in the main event and the main event is also a fantastic card there. The night before then, Graham, we have Cage Warriors 141. It's the 20th anniversary of Cage Warriors. I broke down this whole card with uh, Brad Wharton. That's going to be out in Sherdog this week. But it's a really good card. There's two, uh, two title fights. Uh here, uh, George Hardwick is fighting Kyle Driscoll for the title vacated by Joe McCulligan. Um, the first time in uh, as Brad uh, Brad, Brad um, corrected me, it's not the first time one of the Americans fought here because Jim Ellers ca- came over from the old Cage Warriors America to fight and win the title over here. So it's not the first time it's happened, but the first modern Cage Warriors American fighter, Kyle Driscoll, who probably should be in the UFC, he won in Dana White Contender Series before Dana was handing out contracts to everyone. Uh, he's fighting George Hardwick. He's a hard-nosed wrestler against Hardwick, who is. Uh, have, you seen, have you seen? Have you seen much of him? I, yeah, I, I haven't. He's, a, he's I a, good, haven't. a good wrestler. He push you against the cage. He'll pull you down. Not the greatest striker in the world. Look, it's it's an old-fashioned striker versus wrestler matchup. If Driscoll can take him down over and over and over, he'll win the fight. If he can't, I think George Hardwick uh, will will probably knock him out on the field. I think Hardwick has improved an awful lot as well with his takedown defense and in the clinch and stuff. We saw him last time out against Lucas Capera, who I, I don't know if he's a better wrestler than Kyle Driscoll, but I think he is a more domineering wrestler than Driscoll, and he won that fight and he ended up finishing him. So I would definitely favor Hardwick here, but if that style of wrestling doesn't work out well for Hardwick, Driscoll could win decisions five rounds as well, which is a... Which is a massive thing. Like George Hardwick is prepared, as Brad said, for three five round fights in a row. Now none of them ended up happening. Uh, well, hopefully this one will, but that could be a big thing as well for him here. So a very interesting one. And then Sam Creasy against Dylan Hazan, uh, the Italian Hazan, who has a massive fan base over there. He's trying to go nine and zero, trying to win the title. Sam Creasy lost last time out but is still the champion because uh, his opponent missed weight. So this is a big fight for him, a proven fight. No one wants to be the champion after losing your last fight, you know, so he wanted to beat Hazan, and Hazan won the best up-and-comers. There's some legends of Cage Warriors, you know, Jim Wallhead, Mick Stanton on this. Stanton fighting Kyle Stewart, or sorry, um, fighting uh, Darren Stewart, and uh, Jim Wallhead fighting Daniel Skibinski, who gave Justin Burlinson a really tough fight and almost knocked him out. Last time out, that's a very good fight. Arguably fight of the weekend for me, Aggie Sardari versus Mick, Mike Figlak. What a fucking fight that is. Sardari lost to Joe McCulgan, but he's gone back. He went out of cage wires, got a fight outside of there, won that, and now he's coming back to fight Figlak. Another one who you could argue is the best up-and-comer in, in all of cage wires. Uh, that's going to be a banger on the feet. I think if Sardari can get a couple of takedowns, it might be trouble for Figlak. But I, I, I think he'll struggle. Figlak is a good takedown defense. 
Peely against Amiable is a really fun fight. Will Curry is back here. I always love watching Kingsley Crawford fight. Uh, Nathan Fletcher and Luke Riley are both fighting out of Paddy Pimblett's gym. So they're big fights for them. Tobias Horilla, if he beats Samuel Bark, apparently there's big beef between the two of them there. Harilla will be fighting for the title if he wins that. Sam Spencer uh, against Amos Singer. Jesse Urholland, if he beats Matters Flaminas, you could really see him fighting against Reese McKee for the title next. He's 8 no, and an absolute beast of a fighter altogether. Lanier Kavanagh is on this card as well. Uh, O'Meal Brown is on the card. A really, really, really good card uh, all around, and I'm looking forward to seeing. What, what, anything stand out for you there, Graham? I know I've gone through Jeez, it very quickly. Fair there. Play, there's about 25 fucking fights on this card. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a brilliant <laughs> fight. There's a good breakdown there. Thanks. Yeah. I definitely think you know Figlak is definitely an interesting one. It's a step up in competition. Obviously, he's seven and now he's been kind of fighting the appropriate guys the last couple of fights. It's kind of you know we talked about it at nauseum about Ian Dean. You know, there's never an easy fight. You're gonna you know uh, there's a lot of thought and care put into most, and most if not all of these matchups and. You know, uh, looking up and down the card, you know, just some really, really good fights. Uh, the card may be a little bit long for my liking. I've talked about it in, this in the past. I prefer a little bit of a shorter card, maybe between like nine and 11 fights. But with the Cage Warriors pacing, the way they pace their 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 cards, it, yeah, it won't be a problem uh, or usually isn't a problem anyway. Uh, if you if you get the kind of one or two uh, will probably follow during fight week as well. Yeah, if we're being honest, and, and if you get the average, you know, if you get the average amount of kind of finishes as well, and they're not loads of decisions, it, it, it'll it'll fly by. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I'm interested in. Um, I'm most interested, like you, in in the Figlak fight, but there's definitely you know uh, some really good matchups on the on, on the card. Just uh, the main event and. Um, uh, I like you know maybe it's my ignorance, but Kyle Driscoll, uh, you know, isn't really a a known quantity to me, so I'm kind of not as interested in that as I I would be for uh, most uh, Cage Warriors uh, main events. What but, I think um, is good about it though is like I haven't watched any of the Cage Warriors American cards, and this might be a good way of kind of to me in my head or something they don't seem like they're really cage warriors yeah me too or something i don't <laughs> yeah, know, I, I don't I know. but if they have the cage warriors title let's say he wins and the cage warriors title is over there we're kind of not forced to watch it but i'd be more interested in watching that yeah. you know and then, it's like raw raw and smackdown yeah. just take the title and <laughs> yeah, head off yeah, to the yeah. states that's it, that's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, them damn americans have got our title <laughs> He should be jumping over the barricade with an American flag in his back. Labs on the jet, we're going over to get it back. <laughs> indeed, indeed, it should be fun though. Great card, great card. It's the 20 year anniversary of Cage Warriors as well. And, you know, maybe next week we'll talk a, a little bit more about Cage Warriors and what the 20 years have meant. But it's, uh, you know, I've been a great organization and this is a, a very, very fun card as well. Um, Bellator have a, a pretty good card as well next uh, next week. Few fights have fallen out of it as well. We're supposed to have Patricky Pitfall versus Sydney Outlaw. It was supposed to be Adam Piccolati versus Tafik Masayev. Vladimir Tokov was supposed to be on this card. Uh, so was uh, Victor Nimkov and a few more. So it's been kind of ravaged by injuries. But there's still what we have is is a pretty good card. There's a lot of really good up and comers. Roman Fernando fighting out of ATT. People probably remember him for his big flying knee. Wayne, he also has a knockout via a jab and very good lead hand fight. There, uh, he's fighting against Louis uh, in Inguez, um, Ahmad Magomedov. Graham, what, what's um, what's Jimmy Smith's favorite saying? Who used to say about it? Was it Hector Lombard or something? What, 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 what you, what you say? What was it about about 
Hector Lombard about ev- absolutely everybody that yeah. did anything jiu-jitsu was. Yes. Oh, I, I, I rolled with him during the week. It's like rolling with a fire hydrant. Yes, that's ex- absolutely everybody. That's exactly what Ahmed Magomedov is. He's like a fucking fire hydrant. He, he, Maka, he's a good fighter. He actually follows me on Twitter, so best to look to him. But uh, uh, Magomedov is going to win this. He's and ne- he's one of the next guys coming through. People need to, to keep uh, way to win favor to curry favor with John. Follow Jean me on Twitter. Follow, follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Just follow me on Twitter. It's easy. Yeah. Tro- throw a like on one of his tweets and you're you're, you're golden. <laughs> me and fucking uh, me and Alexander Rakic. Easily easily flattered. Yeah, we're like best friends. Me and Alexander Rakic. I love it. That's great. But uh, yeah, Ethan Hughes, Kevin Hand as well. Uh, Jalen Bates, really, really good, well-rounded fighter, five and zero. He's getting a move up. He's fighting ten and seven. Mark Coates. Um, the other big match up here is Romero Cotton against Dalton Ross. They're both six and zero, and it's unusual for Bellator to be matching up prospects like this. But they, the both are very, very good prospects, and that's a brilliant fight at one eighty-five. So people need to be watching that. Uh, Devian Franklin, then really good heavyweight prospect, is fighting Marcelo Goem. Lorenz Larkin is coming up here against uh, Mohamed uh, Berkamov, who I watched a few of his fights, Graham, and he's a really good wrestler and really good jiu-jitsu, but he is terrible on the feet. Uh, so if Lorenz Larkin can keep that standing, I I think he'll bang him out of there, to be honest. Well, if Lorenz Larkin can keep it standing and can let his shots go, which yes. we've kind of seen in the past that maybe sometimes he doesn't. Uh, yeah, if the threat sure. of the takedown is heavy there, you know, he might just freeze up and throw very little. Which, which could be a problem. You just never know which Lorenz Lark is going to turn up. If, I think if, if he gets into his flow early and if he can kind of avoid getting taken down early, then he, he'd probably be okay. But it, yeah, if he gets taken down, I can see him being being uh, tentative on the feet and yeah, getting taken down repeatedly. It could be a problem. We've, an, we've another one of them in a minute. In the minute. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we get there. But yeah, I agree with you there. This could be a stinker. But I do think, like, ah, Jesus. Maybe I'm wrong in Berkamov. I've only watched maybe two or three of his fights. But God, I haven't been impressed from what I've seen on the feed. Uh, and I'll dinger on the ground, absolutely. But if I think Larkin is good enough to take down the fence to open up his hands a little bit and land, should be fun. Great fight as well. Usman Nurmagomedov. It feels like there's been a shitload of Nurmagomedov fighting over the last while. He's fighting Chris Gonzalez to obviously, you know, if you're called Nurmagomedov, you're a good wrestler. Chris Gonzalez is a very good wrestler as well, though. Um, Both can strike. Also, Nurmagomedov is probably... You know, up there with Saeed as the most well-rounded Nurmagomedov going around the place. Really good strike and throws those big wheel kicks and throws good strikes as well as a lovely jab and a one-two. So does Gonzalez. I think Nurmagomedov is going to have the size advantage there. But if he... F- uh, he has been taken down. One of his fights, um, Mike Hamill, I think, took him down. So if Chris Gonzalez can take him down as well, maybe get on top of him, that could be a way forward for him. Chris Gonzalez is one of these bullish American wrestlers. Very hard, uh, very hard-nosed guy uh, to be fighting against. So for Nurmagomedov, this is probably the biggest test. You know, he fought Goichi Amiuta two fights ago, did Gonzalez, and he lost that fight. And it's just, you know, he came back and he knocked out Saeed Awad in like 36 seconds after that as well. And he beat Vladimir Tokov, who's a strong wrestler and a really well-rounded fighter so that's a, a very interesting matchup for Usman or Magomedov and if he can come through that he'll be going towards the top of that division uh, as well at the top of that division obviously is Patricky Pitbull he was supposed to fight um, Sydney Outlaw here Sydney Outlaw is fighting Tufik Musayev now who beat it's a pretty Patricky good replacement Pitbull. isn't it yeah. yeah this guy is fucking brilliant I don't know if you've seen him Graham but I watched yeah. it. he was supposed to fight a few weeks ago or a few months ago and I watched a few of his fights and I'm really impressed Outlaw 
Oh, that was a good fighter as well, but he's a bit wild and he throws mad stuff all over the place. Musayev is throws mad stuff, but he leads a lot of it to takedowns and he leads a lot of it to nice, tight, technical shots on the inside. I think this is going to be a banger of a fight. What, what, what are your thoughts on Musayev after watching a bit of him? Yeah, this this is a this is a, you know obviously it's a it's a big blow to the card when uh, Pitbull pulls out, but they've done a very good job of replacing them. Obviously, uh, uh, Masayev has a win over Pitbull back in Risen and what. New Year's Eve 2019 so he, he was out of the cage a little bit came back in and lost but he had a couple of fights cancelled uh, so it seems like he he's been training like you know he was supposed to be on this card already and they kind of switched switched him in so I expect uh, expect him to be you know uh, sharp I don't expect it to be one of these you know uh, he's on short notice and he's he's only got a limited amount of cardio to, to get it done in so I think this is a really even matchup you know Sydney Outlaws only lost to Michael Chandler uh since 2016 and that was a split decision loss to Gregor Gillespie back in 2016 so he's been he's been doing very well himself and a, a win over Miles Jury in his last one a rear naked choke you know this this is a really hard one to call as you said he's a little bit more wild uh, maybe maybe that will be the difference uh, but yeah just I expect this to be a really exciting fight I do too I think Messiah will win it but yeah it's going to be a banger the main event I'm not sure if it's going to be a banger if I'm being honest because you talked about learning Zach and not, oh yeah my boy well, I like you, buried, you buried the is he not Team Sheehan he is Team Sheehan to be fair you know I'm, I'm, you're, trying to, you're trying to bail you're trying to no bail. no <laughs> what your boy ah, he's my boy Jason Jackson I pick him to win like <laughs> I, I think he will win but against Douglas Lima it's hard to win against Douglas Lima because he kind of just stands there throws nothing and kind of waits for you to throw something. And then even when you do throw something, he just kind of backs up and doesn't try anything himself. In recent fights, anyway. Like Yeah, against <sighs> yeah, against really kind of tough guys recently, though. You know, obviously uh, stepping up against Gagar Musasi. And, you know, if you look before that, uh, before those three losses, Rory McDonald, Michael Page, Goreshkov, uh, even before that, lost him. Rory McDonald, he had uh, Lorenz Larkin. So, He's he's definitely um, you know better than his his, his last three fights uh, would have looked, and obviously he's coming up against somebody like Michael Venom Page, especially in his last fight, where one little mistake uh, can can be the end for you. You know we've seen what Michael Venom Page can do uh, when given the opportunity. So, uh, and he'd already you know he'd already fought him, and um, he he tried to play it safe, and it, it didn't work out. So you know. Maybe he'll try to do that again. Maybe he's kind of got into that mind frame, or you know, maybe maybe he'll he'll show something different in in this fight. Um, Jason Jackson, you know, he's been doing really well recently. Obviously, a lot of his decisions in there, but like beating Benson Henderson's a, a really big achievement. Even now, you know, he's still a re- really well rounded, really difficult fighter to fight against and uh, to win rounds against. So, yeah, this is a pretty interesting fight. You know, it could. It could, as you say, end up being a really boring fight, uh, depending on Lima mostly. But uh, I see, you know, this is like um, uh, Lima will, will see it as like a less risky, less risky fight than maybe the last, the last two or three or three of or two of the last three. So he might be more willing to kind of lead the dance a little bit more than <laughs> than we saw recently. Obviously, that was basically nil. Yeah. Mm, I, I don't think so to be honest I think the fact this is five rounds as well will probably actually make him worse uh, but you know some of them ones obviously were as well but this is uh, the Bellator of change you know their main events to, to five five minute rounds now um, 
Look, I think Jason Jackson, what he's best at is like a really fast one-two right down the middle and throwing in a few takedowns as well. And honestly, I think that's what will beat Douglas Lima. Throw that one-two simply down through the middle and then just play it safe. You know, you uh, throw in a few takedowns when need be. If Lima can defend them, he'll defend them. But like Lima... Liam actually, like, will it, uh, when he attacks and when he throws his jab or throws his left hook inside, he's actually, like, really good. Like, Liam is a great fighter, but he just it feels like he's lost a bit of confidence or he's not the fighter he once was anymore. And I feel like if you play it very safe against him, you can win a decision pretty handily against Lima if you have the skill set of someone like a Jason Jackson. And if you're preparing him for that fight, like, why would you tell him to do anything else? Now, with, with that said... If Lima comes out and fights a different fight, as you said, suggested he might, which he absolutely might, then you're going to have to change things up if you're Jason Jackson, and that's something you're going to have to be prepared for. But if I'm looking at that and I'm Henry Hooft and the lads preparing Jason Jackson for this, I'm saying Douglas Lima is happy enough to take one twos down the middle all night. Give them to him, you know, give them to him. Back away out and wait for him to just wait for you again. And then come in with your one-two again and hop away out as, as quickly as you can. Get those hands up, block the counters, and win that decision. And I, I think like that might be a very simplistic view of it, but I think that's the way it goes. Also, if you throw in a few takedowns, it yeah, makes it a lot say, harder. Yeah, I either guy game planning a few takedowns. I think Jackson will, yeah. Because it, it, you know, if you're throwing those one-twos all night down the middle, it's it, they're going to get easier at the time. We all know that. But if you like fake a jab and come underneath, even if you're bony pushing him against the cage, but if you take him down in the middle of the cage and put him on his arse, even better. I don't think Lima has that in his back pocket against someone as good a wrestler as Jay Jason Jackson so like I, I, I do I see I see Jason Jackson winning this fight the whole way through but having said that Lima has that power that he only needs one knockout and he can carry that power as well because he doesn't expend that much energy so it's an in, look it's an interesting fight Lima needs to let his hands go a little bit more and that's a very easy thing for me to say sit here sat here but if he wants to get back to that title he wants to be the best fighter uh, in the world you know there's a champion an interim champion at 170 at the moment so everyone is going to be um you know everyone is going to be uh, held back a little bit to, towards getting the title shot and if you're Lima, you don't want to be put back even more after losing those three in a row. So it's a massive fight for him. It's a must-win fight for him. And for Jason Jackson to keep their run going, it's a big fight for him as well. Who do you think will win it? Uh, yeah, it's a hard one because it, I think it does depend. I think Lima does have the ability and the skills to go out there and get it done. But it's will he be aggressive enough on... <sighs> Judging off his recent, recent uh, the recent fights and the fact that he's on a three fight skid and maybe as you said doesn't look as confident that might play a factor as well. So it's a really hard one to call. I, uh, like Jason Jackson hasn't gone five as Jason Jackson gone five rounds uh, at all in his uh, career. Has that Vincent Henderson fight, Henderson fight five rounds? No, he hasn't. I don't think. You know, yeah, he's gone three. Did he only know. just brought in the five rounds here? That that could play a factor as it as it gets uh, deeper into the fight. Maybe Lima will try and play it safe early and kind of try and lay it on late, and you know try and land one impactful shot. And you know he definitely has the ability to do that. So this really is a fight that could go either way. Like uh, I'd like to say Lima, I think he has the ability to beat him. I think he's probably you know technically the better fighter, but I'd probably like the safer bet is probably Jason Jackson. Indeed. Um... We leave next week's card there. Before we, we talk about last night's card, Graham, uh, quickly, there, a few Irish lads have signed to, to PFL. 
I suppose Will Flory being the 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 biggest name of him, uh, Nathan Kelly as well has signed, and um, you know you know John uh, John from down in Cork <laughs> as I like to call him. Uh, well, what you think of that? Especially like Will Flory, a lot of a lot of talk, but you know from us and from other people as well was that he's on the verge of the UFC. Obviously, he won the championship out in UAE Warriors, and you know when you when you do that, uh, John Mitchell as well as sorry, I didn't forget his name. But when you do that. You're you're on the verge of that, and he spoke about that as well. But to to fight, yeah, I was going to say, I thought he, I thought he said that it was going to his goal was to get to the UFC. Yeah. Maybe I thought maybe for a second I was mixing up interviews, but yeah, maybe those uh, maybe yeah. those pay packets maybe, that came out last week, and yeah. it, and you know, maybe maybe he had heard like uh, positive things and towards maybe getting a shot at the UFC, and when when they reached out most recently or something like that, they 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 weren't hearing good news and decided to go with with uh, the pay packet and PFL and the the potential the that's there in PFL to make a lot of money. So maybe that's part of it. Like, I, I'm just trying to think um, who's in the division in, in PFL, in the middleweight so division. He's, at, he's moving up to light heavyweight as well. So that's the thing. So and also they're starting a European Ooh, series. I don't know about that, yeah. So I don't know, like, what's the... I he's don't, been looking really, he's been looking great in middleweight recently. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah I don't know. I, maybe it's, it's, it's a real struggle to get down, but just how good he's been looking, it really seems to be coming together. So... You know, uh, moving up twenty pounds is, is is no joke. So it's that a, could play a factor. It's a big step to take as well. When the the dream UFC move is there for you, like you know, I, I think he probably would have got signed to the UFC. Maybe it would have taken one more fight, but that middleweight division isn't great, and they need guys like in that division. And yeah. there's probably he must have heard something that he wasn't that clo- that they weren't at. Maybe because you know, yeah. yeah. from what he was saying the last time we we heard from him, it seemed like. He was, that's where he was focused and that's what he's working on and you know uh, one fight later he's after that he's on for PFL so yeah maybe something has changed I, yeah. I'm not sure it'll, it'll, I have no inside information or anything it's going to be a very interesting time for PFL till we see how it works out with this European series like like someone like Will Flory probably should be in the World Series not in the European Series I'm not not sure if he's going to be now or not but he's in like a qualifier match I'm not sure how it works yet I'm sure we'll, we'll find out as, as the days come but for Nate Kelly I think it's a great move you know I, I think uh, he's done well over, over the last while for John Mitchell as well obviously lost his last fight so to bounce back here and get a big opportunity like this uh, sources have told me that there are multi-fight deals that PFL want to mean you signed the reporting the other day that it's not quite done yet even though PFL have reported now that might have changed by the time of, of the release of this podcast but um, look it's a big opportunity and a big change as well we just talked about Cage Warriors if a lot of those guys are being handed the pay packets we saw the other day from the PFL they could very well be signing for the PFL instead of Bellator and instead of uh, Cage Warriors so the battle for Europe is in MMA is on. It really is on. And this is going to be a massive, massive talking point over the next few years. Like, the the likes of some of the, the guys here that we see on this uh, Cage Warriors card. Like, look at George Hardwick. Imagine if he wins this. I'm sure the UFC will want him. I'm sure Bellator will want him. I'm sure Cage Warriors will want to keep him. I'm sure PFL will want him as well in that 155-pound division. There's going to be more options for these European fighters than there ever was before. And what a time. What a time to be a European MMA podcast you know and what a time to be talking about all of this and discussing it and I'm looking forward to seeing how it breaks down over the next uh, few years right just as we're uh, about to talk about uh, the fights from uh, over in Long Island Graham's um, 
electricity has gone out, so I have drafted in the the, the next best next best thing. Some may say, but others might say just the best thing. Uh, Ian O'Neill joins me uh, today to uh, finish off this here, and we will obviously get Graham back next week and all that. Ian. Uh, do you know what? It was a pretty good night of ice, but what an unfortunate ending. We're here literally seconds after the main event ended. It was a very weird way for a, a fight that was turning out to be really good to end and a pretty good guard to end as well. Yeah, it was a pretty good card overall. I, I mean, a couple of great finishes throughout the card. A little bit of a slow start, but yeah, picked up in the, the middle and, and, and towards up to right up to the co-main event and just a really disastrous way for the main event to end overall. Disappointing. Um, and hopefully that result doesn't really take away from how good the rest of the card was. Let's talk about the main event, I, I suppose so, because, you know, that was obviously, uh, for a lot of people, and I think they might be wrong, this was a one-fight card, if you're maybe watching it afterwards, for the people who did watch it live, and uh, it was very good, you know, there was lots of, uh, lots of good uh, fights, so you, you missed out on it, but... Um, it, it only went to matter what, what was it was it only 49 seconds if I'm wrong or did it go 4 four eleven? I, I, I don't know I've, I've about even 4 11 didn't it yeah um, and Yair Rodriguez was destroying Brian Ortega from my vantage point anyway Ortega was coming forward putting on the pressure and just the straight shots down the middle every time whether it's a jab whether it's the, the right hand whether it's the, the left hand from the southpaw position whether it was a 1-2 from southpaw or orthodox everything and I mean everything Yair Rodriguez true was hitting Brian Ortega. And honest to God, I don't know how Brian Ortega survived that four minutes and 11 seconds. He was getting absolutely walloped with like the hardest shots to Yair Rodriguez could throw while walking straight forward into him. Now, we talked about um, Ortega's improved striking. And I think Harry made a great point in the previous show, and I was actually talking to him offline as well about, yeah, Ortega striking has improved, but defensively he still has a, has a few issues. And I think they really showed up in this, but uh, he survived and he got the fight to the ground. He got it to the cage a couple of times and the fight ended with that weird shoulder injury where they were, they were you know, kind of grappling. Ortega was on top. Your ear kind of pushed him off and he fell back and he dislocated his shoulder. It was a very, very kind of odd one, wasn't it? Yair Rodriguez was doing well to defend on the ground, not get himself caught in any uh, submissions and not give up for any real bad positions. Uh, but it was it was a very weird finish. In like, And if you're looking at it from uh, um, Ortega's point of view, he was kind of just for maybe 30 seconds or whatever in the position where you'd want him to be on the ground after getting absolutely destroyed for the rest of the round. So, I look, I personally think Rodriguez, if the fighter got back to the feet, he would have knocked him out. That, that's my feeling on it, but you never know until it happens. And as we said, in uh, as you said in the preview, and I said in some of my previews as well, it only takes a second for Brian Ortega to catch a neck and to, to choke you out. So it was a very sad way for Tindall to get a whole, What way did you see the fight playing out? Did you see it similar to me? Was I Would I go a bit overboard? Um, yeah, I, I thought Ortega was in it a little bit. He was trying to implement the clinch and, and get Riaier up against the cage. Like, clearly the game plan would have had to have been switched up and it would have been interesting to see what would have been said to Brian Ortega in between rounds because like you said, he was just walking forward and he was just taking big shots from a year and there's only so much you can take. You can only rely on your toughness for so long. But, you know, unfortunately we didn't have the fight play out. It is what it is right now and, and yeah, year gets the win. Um, probably to his benefit, he was looking good before the fight, it wasn't as if Brian Ortega was winning and dominating and then the fight got stopped due to the injury. So 
you know, he was celebrating as if he, he knocked him out with a spectacular knockout, but uh, it wasn't that spectacular at all. It was more unfortunate than anything else. It's poor old Yair has a few of these, doesn't he? The Jeremy Stevens one as well. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, he has the 87 fights against Zabit that were supposed to happen. This poor guy is just, he can't really catch a break. But look, I suppose he did get the win here. Maybe they'll make the rematch. He, he said before, if he won, he'd get a title shot. I, I don't think they can't can do that. Can't see him getting a title shot after that. No. I, I, I think the best scenario for everyone is just to run that fight back. Yeah. Like if he's confident that he was doing well in the fight, well, then there's no reason to think that he, he can't do it again in the rematch. And I think as well, the fact that Volkanovski is out injured for a while now, if they got this back, like a, a dislocated shoulder can be very bad or can be a thing that you could be back in training next week with, like depending uh, on how it is. If you can run that back in the next two or three months, um, and be, you know, right again for the time the Volkanovski opportunity comes around, maybe two wins in a row against Brian Ortega are the way to, is the way to do it. But Curious you know, to think, or it'd be curious to see maybe, you know, just throwing, throwing something out there, if there was maybe something wrong with Ortega coming into the fight. I doubt it, but there's always a chance of that. Like, it didn't look like too big of a movement that popped his shoulder and it. I know at times it doesn't take all that much either. It's just moving in the wrong direction at the wrong time and with the wrong force going yeah. against it. I, know. I saw Mark Romandi tweeting there that Brian Ortega said he'd two surgeries before and he's probably going to have to tor- have a third one now. So as someone with a fucking terrible shoulder myself, I've never dislocated a touch fucking wood. Hopefully I never will. But shoulder injuries are just nasty. Like they're just, you think they're gone and they come back again. And then I know lads who've dislocated their shoulders. I think Graham has dislocated his shoulder a few times. Well, once you dislocate it once, once you hurt it once, you're going to keep hurting it for the rest of your life. There's like, mm. there's and I actually have a bad shoulder myself. So we're all fucked in we're our shoulders. It's severe MMA. We're all fucked in the shoulders. <laughs> but uh, hopefully Brian Ortega getting too fucked and hopefully he'll be back pretty yeah. soon and they can run that back as well let's talk about Jack Shore altogether uh, rather than go down one or two fights through this uh, look the judges gave all three judges gave Ricky Simon the first round and honestly I don't know how Jack Shore was jabbing him up when the fight was on the outside Simon was pushing him against cage landing nothing you know he was probably landing one or two little body shots under he landed one very nice body shot in the open actually the best shot he landed but I didn't think that was half as as clear as Jack Shore shots but anyway doesn't matter because the fight ended in the second round and I I don't know I, I, Jack Shore is a great fighter and I call him the best prospect out of the UK and I still think I, I still think he is you know uh, uh, there, there's some guys like Aspinall and Arnold who Arnold Allen sorry who've moved to contender uh, you know positions I suppose and then you've Shore and Mikhaev and, and others as well and I think he's right he's right up there but I don't think he fought great in the second round here. I think he made a big mistake by initiating grappling a couple of times here. Now, no problem throwing a few takedowns to, you know, change it up and have your opponent maybe think about it. But I think he did it one too many times here in the second round. Um, It gave Simon the opportunity to kind of time his grappling rather than time his striking because if he's timing his striking, you're there naturally striking with him and you can kind of hit him back and it's going to work out better for you. Simon was timing the grapple and Sean hit him with the right hand down through the middle and look the right hand is what ended it You, everyone look at this and go he got arm triangle choked but this is a right hand this was a knockout you know he knocked him out he hurt him bad gave up the back Jack Shore wasn't that wasn't Jack Shore anymore fighting there and he ended up uh, triangling him uh, sorry arm triangle choking him but it all came from that right hand and I think it came from the poor execution of the game plan in the second round. I, I look. I, I actually think the first round, 
the game plan wasn't that great either though even though I gave it to him unlike all the three judges uh, he needed to be more uh, on his toes he needed to be circling more he needed to be staying off the cage more he needed to be throwing that jab like Ricky Simon was giving him nothing on the feed he landed that big shot it was, you know, it was a big shot he caught him unawares it was a lovely shot all credit to Ricky Simon but before that he was. I didn't think he was on his level in terms of striking at all and Jack Shore kind of gave him opportunities to um, to grapple with him and then he started grappling with him himself I think I don't think this is necessarily poor uh, ability. I don't think this is necessarily poor technique. I think it's poor game planning and poor execution uh, in in the fight itself. Poor maybe fight IQ as well. But it looked like it was the plan because he did it so often in the second round. What did you think of the fight itself? And the, obviously, great you know, great respect to Ricky Simon as well. I mean, didn't did what he did, but we're you know an Irish podcast uh, close enough to the, the UK covering Jack Shore for a long time, so we're going to talk about Jack Shore a little bit more. So, what what was your thoughts? Yeah, like, I mean, we said it on the preview show that, you know, Ricky Simon is a very dangerous fighter if he is on song. And like what you said, I think that Jack Shore kind of played into his game plan a little bit as well. Um, I thought round one, I didn't watch the fight from a scoring perspective, so I'm not going to give my opinion on that. But I definitely thought that Jack Shore found some success from the outside using his long jab, keeping Ricky Simon away from him in round one with a couple of grappling exchanges and he kind of just fell into those grappling exchanges again in round two and the danger of it. And that's what Ricky Simon is always going to look to do is break off the clinch and land some of those big, big power shots that he has. And he clipped Jack Shore right on the temple. And, and, and like you said, that was it. Like he was completely out of sorts when that submission went in. Ricky Simon didn't even have to kind of adjust himself or move into the uh, into side position. He had a good enough squeeze to kind of get the arm triangle, which was good on him. But yeah, I think it'll be back to the drawing board for Jack Shore. He'll learn a lot of lessons from that fight. He could have fought much better. I thought he performed much better in his previous fight than he did here. A lot of distractions before the fight, him yeah. wanting to fight on... That UFC was too much. London. That was too. Yeah. There was too much talk. There was too much bullshit. Uh, I I think it was the Q and A on one of the shows I was talking on this week, and I was saying, look, he was buried in one card. He was going to be buried in another card. Put the head down, fight, and talk about it. I think a lot of people, a lot of these, you know, wannabes podcasters and all talking about it. Put the fucking head down and fight. Don't be listening to that bullshit. Don't be, you know, don't be fucking uh, buying into that. You have a fight in front of you. You have a top rated, uh, what was he, number 12 or 13 ranked fighter in the world in front of you. That's a big opportunity. That's a big fight just because it's not happening in a neighboring fucking country. Uh, I thought that short win. I was saying it on the preview show. I thought yeah. he should have been on it, but I think. You know, it's he should have been, for... but still and all, you have the big opportunity. Jesus Christ, go out and perform mm-hmm. the way you need to perform. Don't be complaining well, I think about it. It's our position where we can say, you know, if we feel that he deserves it. But I heard, I seen comments from his camp, and I know that he probably wasn't too happy about the situation too. And I also said on the preview shows that, you know what, it is what it is now. Yeah. The match is there in front of him, and he has to concentrate on the task at hand. And unfortunately, what happened. he fell up short tonight. Yeah, Yeah, yeah it was... Yeah, if you and if you can't deal with something small like that, something really look, it was something meaningless, really, that was made big, you know, and and with no no real need to be. What is the difference between being buried in the middle of the UFC London card where he probably would have been be, between being buried in this card? Do you know what? It's probably actually harder because you don't have the support and all of that, and you're you're fighting a very very good guy. Fighting that very good guy should be enough. 
I, I just think it, it all played into it, and I think it was a it was a bad night for Jack Shore. But I think he needs to get a lot of that bullshit out of his head come back here and, and be the best Jack Shore that, that he can be. Let's run through some of the rest of the card as well. There was some great fights on it. Uh, two decisions to start it off. Uh, Emily Ducati and Dustin Stuffold spot one there. Big right hand uh, knockout for Dustin Jacoby then. Uh, Bill Algio got a great uh, win over Herbert Burns after nearly getting submitted and Herbert Burns just egg- uh, I, I see here at Tabology they have an exhaustion. <laughs> He got carried out in the arms of his brother yeah, from the octagon. It was like the Titanic uh, or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. out of there was mad. Um, like like a fellow was after having too much to drink at an early afternoon. He had to be carried out of the place. That'll be TJ Reid after about fifty five minutes. Hey, right? easy tiger, <laughs> easy go, tiger. We won't start that again. We won't start that again. <laughs> uh, and then we had Puniele Sariano with a very good uh, win there against Dacia Alangiambula. Oh my, I gave him to win by submission and he almost had him. Like, he almost had that guillotine, but his coaches told him not to go for it, which to me was fucking bizarre. You have the opportunity to win the fight, go for the fucking guillotine in that position he was in anyway, you know? But anyway, he didn't go for it. Very good performance, though, by Lauren Murphy. I, uh, like, Misha Tate was very slow. I thought she was really slow at the start, and she never got back into the fight until late in it, where she started landing some some okay stuff. But this is a fight. Look, coming into this fight, I thought Lauren Murphy would land more strikes than her, and I thought she'd be busier. But I thought Tate might hurt her more. And it was not the other way around, necessarily, but Tate was landing less and getting hurt more. And Lauren Murphy was hurting more and landing more as well. Tate couldn't really... Um, hurt her with her takedowns or grappling or anything like that it was just a decisive win for Lauren Murphy I think it was a combination of Murphy probably looking better than she's ever looked and Tate probably looking worse than she's ever looked it was it was a real kind of turning point uh, fight for this uh, you know for Murphy and for Tate I think Tate will probably retire after this yeah I I mentioned that on Twitter too there are people coming at me for it but I mean the game has passed Misha Tate by she has nothing to prove in the sport anymore She's a pioneer of women's mixed martial arts and martial arts in general, like I said before. And it's like, what has what what is left for her? What has she left to prove? I think what you said, maybe uh, stepping away might be the best opportunity for her. You know, she tried to go back at bantamweight. It didn't work out for her. She tried it uh, now at flyweight. It hasn't worked out for her. And like what you said, the fight went how I thought it was going to go for Misha Tate but I went like that for Lauren Murphy tonight and, and Tate was pretty busted up and Lauren Murphy definitely deserved the win and um, yeah it, it you know it's sad it, look Misha Tate lost the step she looked she looked slow she didn't look like she was putting Lauren Murphy in any kind of danger in that fight really um, she was unable to initiate any grappling exchanges and um, yeah that's it she she has been around for a long ass time she doesn't know anybody anything Misha Tate and I would like to see her hang it up now for good yeah Lauren Murphy called out the winner of Manon Firo against uh, Jessica Andrade fight that's not actually happening because Jessica Andrade pulled out when she just called out Firo altogether she could have got on that card yeah Yeah, she could have but it looks like Firo is going to fight UK again so the winner that probably makes sense as well at this stage Uh, Shane Burgess and Charles Jordandin put on a really good fight as well Uh, there was a 10-8 in that fight which some people were complaining about but I'm like I want to see more 10-8s again lads don't fucking uh, don't complain about something you should probably be wishing for for, so I'm happy enough with that it was a very good fight but what about Matt Schnell versus Sumo Dejari oh my god this is one of the best fights I've ever seen it was just That's unbelievable uh, just Matt Schnell was almost finished about 13 times he was out on his feet he was done he was gonzo 
And then he came back and <laughs> Sue was just getting destroyed. Probably should have been stopped, if we're being honest. Uh, it might have even been stopped for Schnell before that. Who knows? But it was just a mad back and forth in the second round. And uh, Matt Schnell ended up getting him with... It was a triangle choke in the end. He actually choked him out. And there's a great photo going around where he's kind of standing up as uh, Sue was on the ground, just kind of laid out. We can't do this justice in words. If you haven't seen this fight, you need to go and watch it. Especially the second round. This is one of the greatest rounds of all time. Fight of the year candidate. Round of the year candidate. Comeback of the year candidate. An unmerciful fight. You're going to have to sing the song now and play Sir Graham here. Uh, yeah, what, what did you think of the fight? Ooh, Matt Schnell. <laughs> Matt Schnell probably can't smell a whole lot after <laughs> that fight because his nose is busted up. <laughs> but it was absolutely phenomenal fight. I was actually watching it on a stream of Harry and the two of us were absolutely freaking out watching it. I mean, th- that's why we love this sport. Like, that's the fight. Like, that. watching two guys battle back, watching the heart that both fighters had, you know, like Sumujari didn't have the best first rounds either, came back out, started like initiating his game plan, fighting at length, landed some monster shots, monster punches, monster elbows on Machnell. Looked like he was gone. Machnell has a cast iron jaw. He was taking everything from Sumujari and his knees only buckled a couple of times. He was wobbled a couple of times, but he never fell. And uh, I mean, I, I sometimes words can't describe how good a fight was. Like you said, it's just, that's a fight you're going to be showing somebody who wants to get into mixed martial arts sometime down the line. You're going to throw that on, and that's just as, as an exciting as fight as you'll ever see in there. And hashtag fly never die. That is a fact. It probably put people off from going into mixed martial arts. Like, they hadn't seen the picture you were talking about when I said it to Harry at yeah. the time. I said, that's like a scene from a murder scene. Like, really, you know what I mean? It's it really insane. Was. Like Suma Jari just completely unconscious. Mashmel covered in blood, referee stuck in the middle of him. It's just like unbelievable stuff. Like, I mean, oh, I couldn't get enough of that fight. It was very good. It was absolutely brilliant. Li Jing Liang then. Jing Liang, Jing Liang, according to my, my girl, Crooklyn. Uh, she's, I, I laugh every <laughs> time I hear it. It's brilliant. Uh, but he, great comeback win here. No, not comeback in terms of the fight itself, but comeback in terms of his career, I suppose, after losing to Shemaev. This was another one where it was kind of the young guy looked young and the older guy looked old. Kind of, I thought Salikov looked very slow. He did okay at the start, but towards the end of yeah. the fight, I think Lee really S- took away. Salikov is a tricky customer in there. He, he can do it all, he can't fights, he? Yeah, he fights at, like I was saying to, I, I, I was saying to Harry when we were watching it, it was like, he's an old wily veteran. He just knows everything that to do in there. Fighting that distance away from uh, Lee Zhang Yilang. And, you know, obviously staying away from, from the dangerous punches and the power of Li Zhang Yilang. And I think, you know, he fight lulls a guy into a kind of a pace that he thinks, you know, is going to work. And then he f- explodes with his spinning attacks, explodes with his punches. But in the end, Lee got the job done. He, he found a way to win. And, you know, that's a good win against a, a tricky opposition. Like, Salikov is no joke. He's 38 now. He's at the end of his tether. But um, a difficult task for anyone there in, in the welterweight division. And it was a good win and a good bounce-back win for, for Lee after pretty much getting embarrassed against Hamza Shemaev. Yeah, and there's the thing about that at that weight class as well, 170, there's plenty of good fights there. And, uh, you know, he could pick up 
whoever it might be uh, it, there's probably going to be a good fight for him there so uh, looking forward to seeing his next one then Amanda Lemish against uh, Michelle Watterson Gomez two very odd finishes in the in the main event in the core main event this was the core main event um I actually thought Michelle Watterson Gomez when did you become Watterson Gomez as well it feels like an awful mouthful that this Watterson Gomez but uh, she only became uh, Watterson Gomez to me like one day ago to yeah, be honest she only became when. to me in the middle of the fucking fight I was like let's <laughs> uh, start calling her MWG MWG I like that but um, I go, I'm going to call her Watterson if that's okay I call Ian Gary Gary as well you know? we'll, <laughs> we'll keep it even between them keep it simple yeah, keep it simple we'll keep it simple but uh, Watterson was doing better than I thought honestly I, I thought she was going to get banged out here by uh, by Amanda Lemas but she didn't she was doing okay she was landing a couple of shots but then when Lemas threw the power you could see the difference in power you really could see it here but um it, it didn't really tell i suppose and it got into round two and uh, the first round was relatively close lemas probably did win it but in the second round she obviously got caught in the guillotine the submission kevin mcdonald the referee was on the wrong side to, to see a tap now he wasn't necessarily on the wrong side i don't think he was looking at one hand she tapped with the other hand um lemas let the submission go and watterson like stood up and was like or kind of didn't stand up and like went to her knees and was like, what's after happening? Kevin McDonald's, what's, what's happening? Lemus is what's happening. And in Watterson, Gomez said, I tapped, uh, which alleviated all the problems, all class, great stuff for her because she clearly Unreal. did tap. We all there, was like, there was like a spell of three seconds where everyone was confused and I yeah. was confused and I was like, oh no, I hope that this is not going to happen right now because this is a mess. But credit to, to Watterson for admitting that she tapped. Credit to Lemos for letting go of the submission uh, when she felt her tapped as well. I, you know, a lot of fighters wouldn't do it in that case. You know, a lot of fighters are, are taught to fight until the ref pulls you off. But, you know, she... She probably saved Watterson from possibly going to sleep or something like that because Kevin McDonald was, as as you said, on the on the wrong side. But the fight itself was, you know, it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be for Lemos. I thought that Watterson was leaving herself wide open for the overhand right throughout round one and into round two. I think that Lemos was making that read. I think she kind of got caught by a little bit of a surprise by the takedown in round one, but she made no mistakes in round two when Watterson... Um, you know, you can tell the way she wrapped that on super quickly and, and locked it in that they were obviously drilling that like hell during her camp. And um, it, you you just know sometimes when a choke is on, when a guillotine is on. And those that was one of the times where you kind of knew it was all over. A hundred percent. If it down into the guillotine choke, that should be a verbal submission, really, shouldn't it? Like she didn't tap to the she tapped to the guillotine jog, but the fight didn't end to the tap to the guillotine jog. The fight yeah. ended to the verbal submission yeah. afterwards. Now that's me being very pedantic, but yeah, we can uh, we can leave it there. That's so. the uh, sure dog side coming out <laughs> you there now. Yeah. You'll be coming in uh, <laughs> trying to take submission wins away she's from Lemos. <laughs> she's uh, she's eleven and two again. She's not twelve. Okay. Anymore. She's <laughs> yeah. eleven yeah. and two. Go ahead. Uh, right uh, in the middle of the card as well. Just briefly because we'll be talking about this a lot. Uh, they announced that Charles Oliveira is going to be fighting Islam Makachev. And my initial thoughts on that are, oh, Jesus Christ, that's going to be some fight because it answers all questions. That's what we want in mixed martial arts from 1993 to 2022. We want questions answered. Who's going to win that? Is it going to be the unbelievable wrestling of Makachev or is it going to be the unbelievable jiu-jitsu mixed with this mad striking prowess that Charles Oliveira has delivered unto himself over the last few years? And I don't know the answer, but you know what? I can't fucking wait to find out who it's going to be. And it's a fight I'm... 
I'm really anticipating. Whoa, I cannot oh, wait. Yeah. It's like what you always say, Shawnee. It's the best fighting the best when they are the best. Exactly. And that's one where, you know, some of the big fights there, I'd have to be pacing around the sitting room there waiting for it to happen. I guarantee you that that's what's going to be happening ahead of this fight. It's just an absolutely fantastic matchup. So many questions going into it. Two really dominant, prominent grapplers going in there. It'll be interesting to see who can who can get their hands raised. I mean, it's hard to say. Gun to my head right now, leaning a little bit more towards Mahachev, to be honest. But, I mean, I will be looking at it a lot more closely over the next couple of months. And opinions change and things change. But credit with the, the right fight happened there because there was a lot of questions being asked in the lightweight division. And I know we did on the podcast last week. Uh, we asked a couple of those questions because nobody was matched up, but the, this is the right fight that should be happening in the lightweight division. It's the two best in the division right now, and we're going to find out who is the absolute best in October on Fight Island. I cannot fucking wait. Absolutely. Can't wait. Coming up this week, you're doing a UFC London preview. Uh, is, there, is there something else as well? Is that ready to be announced? Can you announce it here while we wait? Yeah, we're going to do the preview midweek as always. And next week, we're actually going to do a live watch along for the entire UFC London card. Myself and Harry and Spencer will be on and, and maybe yourself might pop oh, on I'll for pop a little in, bit I'll as well. Yeah. yeah, and maybe Graham, if you fancy, is hopping in for a while and maybe a couple of special guests too that we'll maybe hold off on, on, on making official just yet. But it's definitely be worth it. It'll be on the YouTube channel over on Severe MMA. Uh, everyone can come and join, ask questions and, and make comments and we'll have a bit of crack and watch the fights together and, and we'll see what happens. Beautiful. Um, tune into that. It'll be free up on our YouTube, as Ian says. Preview show free every week as well. Patreon, though, you have to pay for that. It's only a fiver. It's not too bad. And you get a month for for that fiver. Actually, it's four four fifty, so it's not too bad. Patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast. Uh, and also, while you're there, when you, while you have the credit card out, head on head on over to eatallreal.com. Use the promo code Severe MMA, and you can get 15% off those magical bars and the peanut butter and the sunglasses and everything they have. Great stuff all together there. Up Limerick. We'll see you all next week. Monkey Kenny, up to cats. Let's go. That's it. This could be the this could be the last time last, myself last and Sean have a conversation. <laughs> that fucking there could be no, be no talking. There could be there could be serious jibes thrown oh, over at each be, other. Be for, <laughs> <laughs> any bets? I know there'd be debts in there. That's all right. There'd be debts all right. God I mean, oh, there could God. be two heart attacks, one from me or one from you. Oh, maybe Jesus Christ. That could be. That could be right. <laughs> everyone enjoy the, the All-Ireland final thanks for listening thank you Dean follow him over at Ioneal MMA go over and listen to the Old Triangle uh, as well and subscribe over on SoundCloud Spotify wherever it is and if you're listening to this as well click the subscribe button too we leave it there my name is Sean Sheen that was Ian O'Neill and this was the Severe MMA Podcast see you next Tuesday or Sunday when it comes out